This is the happy hour. You guys going to happy hour? Coming at you live from the heart of Lincoln, America. Yeah, I'll maybe I'll come for a couple. Here are your hosts, Nick Sainert. I want to know what it's like to commit a crime without having to spend time in jail. And Enrique Alvarez Clary. C is for chunk. <laughs> Brought to you by Empire Fence and Netting on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome in. Happy Wednesday. This is the happy hour. 93.7 The Ticket. Theticketfm.com. Nick Sainert and Enrique Alvarez Clary with you. Rico, what's up? Hello. How's it going? It's going great. Good. It's fantastic. Did you see the Husker football hype video today? I did. Mickey Joseph greeting his players as they go into practice. Holy smokes. It's a good video. There's, there's reasons. There was there's, no music. It's simple. It was just the sounds of practice. Just business. Just getting down to business. I like business. Um, 402-464-5685, the Honda Flickin' Hotline. The Sarder Heyman text line, both those open for you guys the entire show today, uh, as well as the Sarder Heyman Jewelers video stream, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter. All those are places that you can get in touch with the show. Got confirmation today, Rico, if uh, we didn't need to necessarily know this. Oklahoma is staying in Omaha. Ah. They are not staying in Fremont. They're not staying in Geneva, Nebraska City, Beatrice. Unfortunately, Central City. They are staying in Omaha. Central City is like an hour and like a couple, like yeah, hour fifteen. Come on, add a couple minutes. Add add a couple. If you got a bus that can go maybe over sixty-five miles an hour, you're fine. Forget about it. Stay in Grand Island. Let's get real uncomfortable. Just that sounds okay. Um, 402-464-5685, the Honda Lincoln Hotline, Sarder Heyman text line once again. Um, Rico, first off, we were both at the volleyball game last night. Despite the loss, no, it was electric. Uh, it was a great crowd. Nebraska falls three to one to three sets to one to Stanford. Walk us through it. Well, um, so it was not a clean volleyball game in at all in the slightest mm-hmm. it was a comedy of errors as i said earlier the service errors i mean stanford pretty much gave nebraska an entire set worth of service errors and nebraska could not capitalize because they made their own service errors and they had a, a boatload of of attacking errors as well um John Cook said in his postgame pressure they wanted to go they wanted to feed their middles and when they did feed their middles in the first set caitlin horde was I believe four for four. Four swings, four kills. Um, she finished the entire match with 11 swings. I think she had six or seven yeah, kills. Not enough. She did not She did not get fed enough. Becca Alec was uh, – she got more swings, and I believe she had the same amount of kills. Uh, Maggie Mendelson ended up playing outside hitter for mm-hmm. a time there, uh, which she looked comfortable in that spot. Well, it was interesting. So, correct correct me if I'm wrong, because you went to the post game. I, I left right after the game. You went to the post game presser. John Cook said that they wanted to feature their middle a lot yep. more. They wanted to feed their and, middles, and they they kept saying, "Go to the middle, go to the middle," and they just didn't. He said they wanted to feed the middles, and the setters just went away from it from for whatever reason. So, gotcha. They're probably going to be working on that, but they are going to be a setter down as Nicklin Hames got hurt late in the third set. We still. At least I haven't gotten any confirmation on what the injury is, how long she'll be out, how serious it is. I just know that she she she's out yeah. for now, and and then she's she's hurt. 
Uh, Kennedy Orr stepped in. They they continued to run a six two with Kennedy Orr and um, Ani Evans. Uh, Kennedy Orr kind of came in late in the third set, you know, sitting for an hour and, and some change. Uh, cold off the bench, came in and immediately went to work. Immediately got two assists and uh, was there on a double block of one of the outside hitters for for uh, Stanford. So. She made an impact early, but then as the fourth set started going, she started missing some sets. And John Cook said that in his presser. He's like, we just yeah. we just can't have that. But she's going to have to play now because Nicklin Hames is going to be out for who knows how long. And they have they, they traveled to Lexington, Kentucky to take on the uh, Wildcats here this weekend. So it's going to be really interesting to see if Kennedy Orr can make that transition and get more consistent in her sets to to try and help this Nebraska squad out. So I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen. The outsides were struggling. They 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 started going to Whitney Lowenstein late uh early and late and she was performing at a, at a high level. She didn't have a great hitting percentage, but she had a decent amount of kills and some blocks sprinkled in there. Lindsay Krause mm-hmm. started off rough. She was hitting negative for the longest time and about the fourth set, which is kind of what she did Fourth, fifth set against Creighton. Um, that fourth set, she started coming alive and and getting more kills and and more blocks. But just they couldn't put it all together. And and they have a poster in their locker room that says, "Be two points better." Yeah. And that's that's unfortunately not what they did in the first or the fourth set where they had a lead. They had a chance to win both of those sets. They had set point and Stanford you know, pushed back and ended up taking both of those sets. Well, well you mentioned Whitney Lownstein, and we looked at each other, Rico, last night because we were sitting next to each other, obviously. And it was like we, we both said to each other kind of at the same time, they found who they're going to go to in crunch time. And so it's, 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 like- it's Whitney Lownstein. And she, like you said, finishes with 11 kills, has eight errors on 36 attempts, hits a poor zero or excuse me, point zero eight three hitting percentage. Yep. Um, had three blocks as well. Nebraska as a team had ten and a half blocks. Uh, Maddie Kubik did leave, lead the Huskers in kills with thirteen on thirty nine attempts. She finished um, with a double double. I believe she had fifteen fifteen digs, as well. digs as well. Yeah, you're right. So then Lindsey Krause had nine on th- nine kills on thirty attempts. Hit two hundred. Um, the best hitter was percentage wise was Caitlin Horde five kills and eleven attempts, which, which is good for a point three six four hitting percentage. But we said it. Didn't feed her enough, and it still looks not awkward, but just uncomfortable when they try to set it to her. They're still trying to figure out with the struggle. big body, with the long arms, yeah. trying to figure out how to set the middle middle uh, of Caitlin Horde, the the All American transfer from Penn State, to where it's comfortable for her. Because when they can get that quick set going, it's going to be deadly. Oh, it's going to be crazy. She had one where she kind of got it cleanly, just straight down into the yeah. floor. Um, and I'm really interested to see what it sounds like, what it looks like when she does get one square, when they hit her perfectly and she's able to put her whole hand on the ball and, and put it wherever she wants to put it. So, you know, she's, she's long, she's athletic. It's just a struggle to, to get it up to where it needs to be for the setters right now. Um, but as John Cook said, you know, they wanted to feed the middles and the middles were putting in work back at like and Caitlin Horde. So, Hopefully next time, if, if they, they have a game plan, they can stick to it because they were passing well. They were they, they were passing well off of serve receives, off of off of digs, off of uh, uh, attempts by Stanford. But 
it just for whatever reason was not getting set to the place that 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 uh, head coach John Cook wanted it. Yeah, so they once again service uh, serving is going to be kind of a focus point. Which if you go back to let's see, it had been the first after the first weekend after opening weekend, and they played in the Emeritus Players Challenge on uh, the first weekend when they didn't drop a set or anything like that, and they got dropped in the rankings one spot. They went down to number two. John Cook was asked on the following Monday, like, "Are you worried about that?" you know, dropping down from the rankings. And his response was, I'm more worried that we're last in serving percentage. That was his response. And here we are a couple weeks later and they have 14 service errors and um, they just, they just didn't hit very well uh, as a team last night. And Stanford, I mean, they're the ninth best team in the country. They came off of a win against Minnesota, I believe. Yep. And so it's one of those things where it's not like you lost to, you know, Tulsa out there, but they, Although it's, it was, they struggled to beat Stanford. You said it last night, Rico. They struggled to beat Stanford, and they struggled to beat Wisconsin. The amount of service errors that Stanford had should have lended itself to Nebraska winning more than one set and mm-hmm. possibly winning the entire match. But the amount of errors that Nebraska committed, not only at the service line, but also attacking, just it just didn't stack up. With with Stanford, I mean Stanford. But Stanford, one of the best, Stanford served worse. Stanford's one of the best serving teams in the nation, yeah. and they were out of sorts. For yeah, they some were. They, they did not play well. Um, so yeah, Nebraska, Nebraska couldn't capitalize. So Nebraska falls to seven and one on the year now. Um, obviously, last night was their first loss of the season. They next or next up is Kentucky on the road in Lexington on Sunday at two p.m. and you'll be able to watch that one on ESPN two. Uh, before they return home next Friday. So a week from this Friday, on September 23rd, they open up Big Ten play against Michigan State. Okay, so there's there's a little bit of a recap on volleyball. 402-464-5685, the Honda Lincoln Hotline, the Sarder Heyman text line, both those open for you guys the rest of the way here. I want to dive into this Nebraska coaching job because whether it's whether you're Mickey Joseph or whether you're another uh, a potential candidate, how glamorous does this Nebraska job look? And is it tarnished because of how Scott Frost's tenure went? I want to hear your guys' thoughts and why. 402-464-5685. Feel free to give us a call. Let us know on the Starter Heyman Jewelers video stream, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter. Or if you want to reach out to Rico or myself on Twitter, Nick underscore Saner and at Radio Rico AC. Um, is my mic super hot, Rico? I think it lowered a bit. Interesting. I think it was. I don't know. I, I got a text, and then we're now we're getting a text on the. I don't feel like I'm talking super super loud. So anyway, I lowered it. Uh, appreciate we'll you guys helping us out, Tater, and and folks that texted me. Uh, but once again, want to hear your thoughts. So give us a call four zero two four six four five six eight five. How does how does the outside perspective of Nebraska's job? How has it shifted? I suppose in the last five years, because. There's that there's that thought, right, where Scott Frost had the perfect opportunity. But was the the being of, of or excuse me, was all the losses because of Scott Frost or was it a program issue? Mm-hmm. And as we are going through kind of or navigating this interim kind of, of of lifestyle plus looking at potential candidates, it's turning out that we there's a lot of people that think it's more of a Scott Frost issue. So I'm curious does that tarnish the national perspective if you are a coach that might get a job at Nebraska? Are you hesitant to take it? If you're if you're at a good place, let's just say Matt Campbell. Matt Campbell's at a very comfortable place right now. Expectations aren't to win a national championship like they are here. 
Expectations aren't necessarily to comp- compete for a conference championship every single year, right? Or, or even Chris Kleiman at Kansas State is another option, or Lance Leipold at Kansas. All these names that we're hearing, they're there. <laughs> Lance Leipold could win four games. Lance Leipold, Lance Leipold was two and ten last year and got in a year extension on his contract. Yeah. So like there, which now they, they already have two wins. They already have two wins this year. Look at that. So and, and their over under wins was. Their over under on wins this year, but from Vegas was two and a half. So they're about to already get over. It's like that's the thing. So if you're at one of those jobs, like a Lance Leipold or a Chris Kleiman, where if I mean the the ceiling or the uh, you know exceptional season is eight wins, do you want to risk it to to coach at Nebraska? Is it is it a Scott Frost issue or was it a, a program issue? Do we once again as Nebraska fans? Have too high of expectations. Let's go to the Honda Lincoln Hotline. First up, we have Brian on the line. Brian, happy Wednesday, man. What's on your mind? Hey, guys. Uh, good program today. Um, I guess I got a couple of thoughts about the Nebraska job. Uh, a, it'll always be attractive simply because, I mean, Nebraska's just got a stellar fan base. They've mm-hmm. stuck through them 10 and 10. Um, so that's always going to be a very, you know, a, a very pro. Uh, check mark, so to speak. Uh, that said, I think Nebraska has to temper their expect- expectation in terms of embracing the reality. The reality is Nebraska is not the same brand or job it was 20, 25 years ago. It's just not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to think someone even like Chris Kleiman would think Nebraska is, is it necessarily that much better uh, Probably not at this point. Yes, I understand the ceiling expectations, but he's got a very good thing going at K-State. The fact is K-State would whip Nebraska in football right now. That being said, also, uh, there's going to be a number of coaches, I'm sure, who would be uh, attracted to the Nebraska job because, like I said, you know, you still got one of the great fan bases. The one question I think will have to be asked by any coach that I'm sure Alberts will probably ask in some form or another is in their interview and discussions is what is your vision for winning in the Big Ten? And if one of the first answers out of their mouth is we have got to get bigger and stronger and win the line of scrimmage, first thing out of the mouth, then I'm, I'm, he's probably going to move on to somebody else because that has been a big problem since they've gone to the Big Ten. They just haven't been able to adjust on the line of scrimmage. So mm-hmm. That's my thought. Pre- appreciate you, Brian. it, Brian. That was, that was a really good call. Appreciate it, man. Um, once again, 402-464-5685. We lost, uh, we lost Dale. Okay, sounds good. Sorry, Dale. Dale, call back. Um, yeah, Dale, call back. We'll definitely get you on here in a moment. Uh, once again, 402 464 I agree with Brian. I mean, look, I do too. you, you kind of got to – the you've you've everybody's heard what the national media says about the Nebraska job. The 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 fans need to you know drop their expectations for winning national championships. It's not the same at Nebraska. You know it's impossible to recruit there. I mean you're in the middle of the state. It's just cornfields. Yada yada yada. You know the same stuff that everybody who hasn't been to Nebraska says. But those that that uh, those deficiencies are also a reason why it could possibly be slightly more attractive not all mm-hmm. the deficiencies but the expectations being dropped from not being a national championship contender year in and year out yeah but you still have a rabid fan base 
right? Like you have a rabid fan base who your, wants national championships. Your coach, they're not expecting national championships yeah. anymore, but they but they want that. They're going to show up. They're going to support you regardless. And I think to a, to a certain extent, though, Rico. A couple years down the road and into a coaching regime, you expect to be competing at a national level. You, you expect to because yeah. you, that that would that would mean you're progressing in the first couple years, in the first few years. Think about when Scott Frost got here. We're going to do the same thing this year with whoever the new coach is, whether it's Mickey, whether it's somebody else on the outside. We're going to say, okay, hopefully by year two or three, you're you're a a bowl team and, and a safe bowl team, right? Yep. You're not floating with the six win mark. And by year five, right? By year five, you're at least competing for a, a, a divisional championship, if not a conference title. And like it's so hard. To... It's so hard, I think, for Nebraska fans, myself included, when we look at the Big Ten West and go, there's not very many like talented teams. If anything, right? Nebraska's on the easier side of the Big Ten conference in terms oh, of yeah. talent. Oh, yeah. And, and in, in, in terms of possibility or chances to win a division title and so here we are once again we're going to assess this whether once again if it's mickey or if it is somebody on the outside we're going to sit here and say all right hopefully by year five in a, in a division like the big 10 west where the blueprint is clear of what you need to do mm-hmm. maybe it's not the highest recruiting classes but maybe it's more about the developmental stage of things getting the guys ready to play on Saturdays doesn't matter as well as in game as well as in game adjustments those are the things that matter the most and if you do that then you're going to compete you're going to find yourself in the thick of it mm-hmm. come you know November when the games that matter are being played and if you maybe are able to squeak out a couple of those, you can win the Big Ten West. And that's one of these things now, as we assess this current season, it's still salvageable, right? And that's why uh, that's why there's that thought in the back of everybody's mind, mine, mine included, that Trev Alberts made the decision right now. He was, uh, he was clear about it as well, uh, as saying that, listen, we got nine games left to play, and in those nine games is the bulk of the Big Ten schedule. Yep. And... At the end of November, you would hope maybe that Nebraska can get into a little bit of a rhythm, maybe just a little bit of a rhythm here, and they're able to kind of hit their stride at the start of November. Now, that doesn't mean that Nebraska is going to go out and beat Oklahoma. You can make progress and learn lessons through losses. That that's And that might be what Nebraska has to do. But Rico and I were talking off the air earlier today. The bye week next week for Nebraska is going to be very interesting. To see what kind of changes Mickey Joseph makes, mm-hmm. what kind of um, what kind of not, I don't want to say practices are going to be had, but what is the mentality going into the bye week? Because once again, I, I, now Scott Frost era is over, so I can kind of delete my spreadsheets and things like that. Sad. It is sad. Um, don't delete them. Archive. Them. Okay, archive. Yeah, archive. For so I have reasons. this. I have this one. Uh, this one spreadsheet: Nebraska versus certain kickoff times. And in there, I have the bye week statistics. Ooh. And under Scott Frost, Nebraska had never won going into a bye week or coming out of a bye week. <laughs> that is a crazy stat. It's insane. It is insane to think about. You never won one game, either going into the bye week or coming out of the bye week. And the more alarming parts of that is coming out of the bye week. Oh, yeah, like going because into a bye week. Th- you just mishandled. A- and the, here are the games... It's a regular game. Here are the games. Exactly. Extra week. Exactly. There's a little bit more breathing room in the discussion of going into a bye week because a lot of times Nebraska's byes are farther into the season and 
in the physical conference of the Big Ten, you're, you got the wear and tear, right? But coming out of a bye week, here's who Nebraska's pay, played. Excuse me. Coming out of a bye week, they played Indiana. They played Wisconsin. They played Purdue. And they played Wisconsin again. You're not playing Ohio State. No. You're playing Indiana. You lost 38-31 to against Indiana in 2019 coming out of a bye week. That's the frustrating part. So now it's going to be interesting, maybe not this game specifically against Oklahoma, but next week's game, or excuse me, the following the bye week, the one against Indiana again. Mm-hmm. How is Nebraska prepared? How does Mickey Joseph get his guys prepared going into that game? And how does Nebraska come out from an energy standpoint if they find themselves 1-3? and three? Or on the flip side, if they find themselves 2-2. Two and two. That's going to be something to watch. We'll continue this conversation on the other side. Want to hear from you guys, 402-464-5685, the Honda Lincoln Hotline, the Sutter Heyman text line. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Happy Hour on 93.7 The Ticket. Follow Nick and Enrique on Twitter at Nick underscore Sainert and at Radio Rico AC. More of Happy Hour is next on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com.